TED Audio Collective. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. HBR presents. Hi, everyone. You're listening to After Hours. I'm Young Me. I'm Me here. I'm Rowie. And thanks, guys, for doing this on such short notice. We do whatever you say, Young Me. <laughs> we await your instructions at all times. <laughs> so, okay, we've just gotten a bunch of requests from listeners to weigh in on what's happening, specifically to a small group of stocks, the most prominent of which is probably GameStop, but also includes AMC, Nokia, BlackBerry, and some others. So we're just going to tape a really quick episode in response. And it is Thursday night as we tape this. So keep that in mind as you listen to it. Okay, to give you a sense of why we thought it was worth doing this, you know, we're actually talking about a relatively concentrated set of events. It's just affecting a small number of stocks. But Mm -hmm. it is raising some really fundamental questions about how our financial markets operate, how they should operate, what's fair, what's unfair. And so what specifically are we talking about here? Well, in recent days, let's take GameStop as an example. The share price of this particular company has just gone through the roof. Not long ago, it was trading well below $20. In the past week, it's hit three, $400. I mean, it's just shot up like a rocket. So let's start there. What causes astronomical rise in the share price? And why has this become such a huge story? To the extent that it is dominating the front pages of the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Financial Times, and so on. Mihir, can you get us started? Sure. Well, let's start with what happened, and then we'll talk about what it means. So what happened is, we've talked in the past about the rise of retail investors, but GameStop became the object of affection for people posting on Reddit, and in particular, a site of Reddit called Wall Street Bets. And it became an object of affection as a company that might be worth trying to invest in. That provoked a response by larger institutional investors who saw the rising price and said, that's ridiculous. Let's try to short against it. So now you had a pitched battle between these Reddit posters, retail investors who were saying GameStop, 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 and institutional investors, including people characterized as evil hedge funds who said, this thing is overvalued. We're shorting, shorting, shorting. And that pitched battle has a self kind of reinforcing loop, which is as the stock price rises, it becomes really hard to stay short. And that's called a short squeeze. And so what ends up happening is the people who were betting against it now have to buy the stock back before they wanted to because 
they've borrowed the shares and they have to give back the shares. That only adds to more buying pressure on GameStop. <laughs> and so we had a classic short squeeze battle between these two communities. That's literally what happened. Why is it so fascinating? <laughs> and why has it captured all our imaginations? So I think the answer there is, to me, this represents the complete kind of gamification of our financial markets, which is with the rise of retail investors, we have seen what used to be kind of a normal kind of fun part of financial markets, which is, yeah, let's go take a punt. Now it's completely a game. And in particular, we have the entertainment of betting on stuff. We have the combat between people who are shorting and people who are long. And now you have a morality tale laid upon top of it, which is the good working people on Reddit and the bad evil hedge funds <laughs> shorting. And so I think what it represents is the rise of retail investing and just the complete, and I don't know how else to say it, kind of gamification of our financial markets. I think Mihir's point about the morality tale is a really interesting one. And I think this story is really a metaphor for a lot of other things going on around us. And one of them is the fact that we've sort of grown used to the idea that there are rich people who work in hedge funds or wherever on Wall Street who are involved in these markets that we don't understand. Maybe they manipulate the markets in some ways. Maybe they don't. But it's in a non-transparent way, and we're sort of used to it. Whereas this is something different. These are not professionals. These are not people who are living their lives in the markets, studying things and trying to extract signals from different movements of prices. So there's something here, I think, that's tapping into our populist moment in a really broad way, but concentrated in a sort of narrow set of stocks. You know, it's interesting. That's exactly how a lot of headlines are framing this as kind of a populist attack. It's a kind of a rage against the machine, against a financial machine that dominates the way wealth ends up being distributed in our country. Mm. With the very important caveat that even though we can use terminology like gamification, it isn't a game. These hedge funds lost billions and billions of dollars, which is why they are very, very upset. And there are individuals who are walking away with tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars as a result of this. So for me, when I look at this, there are a couple of things that kind of jump out. One is, it's almost like these amateur traders found a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> and what I mean by this is, is yeah. every system has its loopholes. And historically, it has been usually the most sophisticated, most deeply embedded insiders who are in a position to take advantage of the loopholes. But in this case, it was the everyday trader trading from his or her basement that found a glitch in the matrix and was able to take advantage of it, which means that they're kind of multiple stories going on here. So there's the finance story, a somewhat technical story about these small day traders discovering that there are things like short squeezes and gamma traps that can be taken advantage of. There's a brave new world story about what happens when Reddit meets Robinhood, when crowdsourced activity on Reddit meets options trading on apps like Robinhood. Mm -hmm. And then there's this David and Goliath story as well, where if you're a spectator to this, it is like watching a war it's as if Occupy Wall Street now actually occupies Wall Street. Mm -hmm. 
On the other hand, some of these individual investors, these small investors are going to get really, really hurt. Yeah. I mean, really, really hurt. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. Some of them are going to walk away with like a big bucket of gold. But one way to think about this is for every small investor who was able to cash in by selling GameStop at, say, 350 bucks, there was someone else on the other side of that trade. And it's possible that it was some heavyweight hedge fund covering its short, but it's equally possible and perhaps even more likely it was just another small investor on the other side of that trade who read about what was going on and decided to buy in at that price. And that is kind of terrible to think about yeah. because the hedge fund folks are going to be just fine. The small investor who didn't time it exactly right is not. Right. I mean, I think this ties together with what Ravi was saying in a way, which is ultimately this will end up with a distribution of wealth away from the folks who buy Robin Hood at whatever $200 as it kind of comes back down to something more reasonable. And so that is the part of this that I find fascinating, which is we never talk enough about how financial markets redistribute wealth, which is every time there's a bubble, basically what happens? And the answer is the price goes from 10 to 100 back down to 10. And when you think about the returns, you're like, oh, it didn't go anywhere. But the answer is no, it did. And huge amounts of wealth was redistributed in that process. And that's precisely what's happening here. In the moment, it looks like the kind of gutsy Reddit traders are winning. But I think, young me, your instinct's exactly right, which is like many populist movements, it'll end up, it'll actually make them worse off. <laughs> and it'll end up being a story that we've seen before, which is kind of finance loses credibility gets maligned, and this generation of retail investors turns their back on this. So I think that's the other piece of the puzzle that I find fascinating. You know, I think that's a really interesting point. So at a moment of very great struggle for so many people, we've had an extraordinary set of returns delivered mostly to holders of capital. Yeah. And so this element of populism also, I think, connects to my favorite German word, which is uh, schadenfreude. Schadenfreude is the happiness you feel when bad things happen to other people. And in this case, at this moment specifically, to some hedge funds. And people are enjoying this hedge fund takes a $20 billion loss. This hedge fund takes a $1 billion loss. And nobody feels bad because they're feeling like they're living in this moment where the schadenfreude of it is overwhelming what might be a more reasoned approach to what's going on. So if you think back, like, I don't know, years ago, mm -hmm. there was this great conflict about Herbalife between Bill Ackman and Carl Icahn. Good example. Right? Same kind of shtick. And it's like a pitched battle and there's good people and bad people. <laughs> and it was reserved, though, for people in the industry. Now it has just gone viral and everyone's watching it and everybody's playing it. And that was enabled in the last two years by zero-cost commissions. Mm -hmm. And these business models, which... It's so fascinating to me because in a way, what Robin Hood and Schwab and everybody else figured out was, why charge five bucks per trade? Let's just go to zero. And then everybody starts to wanting to trade. But that kind of moment when you go to free is so interesting from a business model perspective, young me, because then how do you regulate it? Like, how do you say something is free is bad? <laughs> you know, something that is happening is bad. But to me, I was really struck, young me, by the parallels of these free business models and how complicated they are to think through because they look like consumers are made better off. Oh, mm -hmm. Robinhood's great. Nobody's paying for anything. But 
there's something going on in the background. Yeah. I don't even know if it's the free part of it that I find fascinating, but what open access does mm-hmm. when you make something so accessible. Right. I mean, one way to think about this story is to say to Wall Street, well, hey, guys, welcome to the party. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that is there's so many other industries that have already been completely disrupted right. by the massive flow of unchecked information that flies across the internet. So journalism has been completely disrupted by the unchecked flow of information and disinformation on Facebook and Twitter to the point where these decentralized information flows actually influence how CNN and Fox cover the news now. Yeah, Politics, our political process has been completely disrupted by these unchecked flows of information and disinformation to the point where it actually influences what happens in our elections. And the same is now happening in our financial markets. And it's happening through Reddit and through Discord. And related to that, it's interesting to think about if you go to Davos, every year at Davos, there is a lot of hand-wringing about the fact that so many people are excluded from participation in the global financial engine. And so there's a lot of talk about financial inclusion, a lot of talk about how we should democratize our financial markets and give more people access to them. I don't (laughs) think that this is what they had in mind, but this sort of is what it means to democratize something. When you democratize elections, it doesn't mean that only some people get to vote. People who are thoughtful get to vote and people who are less thoughtful get to vote too. Everyone gets to vote. And so what you're seeing when you democratize financial markets, everyone gets to participate. And if a group of people decide that they're going to do something that on the face of it looks completely irrational, completely disconnected from underlying reality, but if they all do it together, they can create their own new reality, which actually influences outcomes, they can do it. And that's kind of what happened. A group of people on Reddit decided – Let's create this different reality and let's make it happen. And they did. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, they I really did. This. It's unbelievable. I love this framing of it, young me, which is the framing of it as the democratization that came to other places is coming to finance. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. For better or worse, though, right? Right. But my reflection on your comment is, yeah, but do you feel like what's happened in politics and what's happened in news is good, right? Like, it almost makes you yearn for curation (laughs) (laughs) institutions that uh, now seem quaint Um, but i think that's a wonderful way to think about it but i think that another interesting element of it this process you're describing young me and the fact that we're living in alternate information spaces on so many dimensions of our lives this is one more example of that which is that there's the information space of the professional investors and then there's the information space of these retail traders on reddit And they're not compatible in a kind of profound way, in the same way that reading Breitbart and watching MSNBC, you're not going to find a lot of overlap between those two realities. But then there's also this question of whether there's something legally problematic. And so I've heard a lot of talk about the professional investors and the SECs looking into it and saying, like, somebody's got to do something about this. It's not, I think illegal, or at least not obviously illegal, for people to post random things on Reddit and then have everybody else do it. Like, is that right? Is that the right way to think about it? Well, you know, I don't know the answer to the question, Robbie, but I'll give you two thoughts. One is, absent some informational advantage, 
that's usually the thing we think about legally, right? Which we think, oh, right. no, Rawi's an informed guy and he's telling other people because he has information. Yeah. Now, you're describing a situation which is not informed. Now, it is the case that in settings where people try to corner markets, which maybe is analogous, right? So I can think back to like, you know, there were the Hunt brothers and the silver market in the 80s or 90s, you know, that kind of coordination. But to think that Reddit users are capable of that kind of collusion is not really apparent to me. So that's why getting out of this is going to be so hard because there's nothing obviously wrong. And that's, I think, the puzzle of this setting where you have free trading, what's going wrong. And I think the answer has to be self-correcting in some way, which is people get damaged, people get hurt, they retrace, rates start to rise, people realize that there are other ways to kind of do things. But I don't know of a cure absent that. Yeah, I agree. I think proving actual market manipulation is really hard. Now, having said that, I think regulation of some kind is inevitable. I mean, this has such ripple effects. There are so many powerful, angry people making so many phone calls to so many influential people right now that there will be eventual regulation. That's my thought. I mean, Robinhood halted trading of these stocks, infuriating thousands and thousands of people and basically blocked them from being able to trade. And if you think about why they did that, it's because they got phone calls. But I think this is how the culture that has grown up in the last year or two, because Wall Street Bets is not new. It's been going on for the last year or two. Right. And it was yep. Moderna in the spring of last year, and it was Hertz. And Hertz, it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been going on for a while. But the culture pops when there's such a reversal that people kind of look over the abyss and they say, wait a second. You know, and this is maybe not unlike, you know, what happened on January 6th, which is you look over the abyss and you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> and you kind of step back. Maybe that's what happens to pop this culture, mm -hmm. because otherwise it is really hard to imagine how it ends. Yeah, I actually think we're going to see more rather than less. I think we should all buckle up. I think it's going to take a little bit of time to rein this in, actually. I think regulation is going to be hard. I think it's, I don't know, buckle up. Buckle up. Okay, we should probably close this out. Yeah. Before we do, though. Any recommendations? I had one recommendation for folks related to this particular topic, and that is the tip of the spear in all of this was a forum on Reddit called Wall Street Bets. And if you've never been on Reddit, my recommendation is that you go and check it out. I think it's really hard to think about what's happening here in the abstract. Mm -hmm. And it's really when you go in and you really take a look at those message boards, you begin to understand what this flow of information looks like and who is doing a lot of this trading. And so that would be my recommendation is to look beyond the headlines. And if you really want to understand it, go take a look at Wall Street Bets on Reddit. I think that's a really good piece of advice. And I think it's more general to this question of these different information spaces, which is you have to go out exploring the other information spaces in which you don't live every day. Yeah. I think that makes just good sense. Exactly. Um, I would say my recommendation is don't buy individual stocks. <laughs> like, who do you think you are that you can <laughs> beat the market in this way? Like, you should do what I do and just put your money in the bank. It never goes down. It doesn't go up very much, but it doesn't go down. So my piece of advice is just to remember that there are sports that are fun to watch, but not fun for you to play. And it's important to understand that distinction which is one can have fun watching what is happening here, but don't get confused and think that you should join the playing field. So watching Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes is fun. 
thinking that you can go out onto the field and catch passes from them is a different story. <laughs> and so just try to recall that you're watching a game in a sport that may seem fun, but it's best to be a spectator. And turning yourself into a participant might be more hazardous. Not dissimilar from if you decided to get onto the football field. <laughs> That's my recommendation. That is a good That's one. a good one. And we shouldn't forget those sports that are neither fun to watch nor play, like golf, in which case, like, it's, it's <laughs> exactly. an easy decision. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Thanks for doing this, guys. Thank you, Yumi. That was great. As always, a pleasure. Okay. This is After Hours from the HBR Podcast Network. You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Support for the show comes from Brooks Running. I'm so excited because I have been a runner, gosh, my entire adult life. And for as long as I can remember, I have run with Brooks Running Shoes. Now I'm running with a pair of Ghost 16s from Brooks. Incredibly lightweight shoes that have really soft cushioning, it feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better than ever Go 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more.